Hi, everybody. I'm Diane Brady. I'm here with Everett Taylor, CEO of Kickstarter. Everett, you've just finished your first year. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So has it been everything you dreamed of and more? Or, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I will say it has been the hardest job I've ever had, but the most rewarding job I've ever had, but I've had a blast doing it. Well, I want to go back to when you were, because there was a lot, you got a lot of attention when you came into the role. What attracted you to the job? Like in terms of what you thought, well, okay, I, I can see what I can do with this place. What, what was in your mind coming in? I think there's, I think there's two things, right? On, on the first side is about where I was in my life personally. I think for, you know, part of my career, especially coming from not a lot of money and struggle and things like that, there was a portion of my career where I really uh, put an emphasis on, hey, how much is this job going to pay? You know, I'm still in title? that portion of my career, <laughs> I have to tell you. But. Hey, Forbes, give her a raise. Get yeah. here first. Um, and, um, and so I still pick companies that I was really excited about, but part of it wasn't always just about passion or the things that I really wanted to do to impact the world. And when I got to Kickstarter, even previously before Kickstarter, I was kind of in that same headspace When at you Artsy. were at Artsy, CMO of Artsy. Yeah, yeah, because I was so passionate about the art world and democratization of the art world. But it really came full circle for me at Kickstarter to be at a place where, I mean, I feel like it's like a dream factory. We literally help people make their dreams come true. If you have an idea, Kickstarter is the place for you. So to be, you know, the head of a company like that, that does so much good in the world that I can genuinely feel good about waking up every day and yeah. committing so much of my time and my life to this mission, it just, it's like a dream job, genuinely. So but when you, but nothing is perfect. Yeah, So you for come sure. in, you think, what impact did you try to make from the start? Because I know there's been a lot of changes in the past <clears throat> year and, um, Let's talk about sort of what you think have been some of the successes, and then we'll get to the hard stuff. Yeah, we'll get After to the hard stuff. About the successes. Yeah, we'll get to the successes. But but first, to answer your question, I knew that Kickstarter was in a place where let's keep it real. It just as a brand, it wasn't as hot as it was before. You know, even though like revenue hadn't declined and things like that, but from like kind a, of plateauing. a plateau from like a cultural relevance standpoint, and I think. You know, me coming in from a marketing background and also someone that's very product centric and, and, and customer centric and user centric, I think it was like that perfect mix. And so, you know, when I look across the landscape, I'm always thinking about before I take a job, can I really deliver the value that the company needs? Like, I, I feel like before you take a job, you really should want yeah, to. Yeah, well, how do I make this place better? How do I make this place better? And, and I felt with Kickstarter, I genuinely had an opportunity to truly make an impact and the impact we did have. Well, and let's talk about how you made that impact. Because one, one of the ways is simply your arrival. You say you're, you're a high profile marker. You were one of our most influential CMOs, I should yeah. point out. Other accolades, but the Forbes ones are the ones that really matter. And um, <laughs> and you know, so you've got your personal brand that you really mm -hmm. sort of brought to this, and you've got the Kickstarter brand. So how, what have you done for both? Because that's always a line that's hard to walk, isn't it? When it's yeah. you're somebody who's well known on your own. What do you think you've done for the Kickstarter brand? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, 
uh, I always say that whatever brand I come to, I bring value just from the audience that I've amassed myself. Um, you know, I remember when I came in, the person that was leading brand at the time joked that, you know, my following on Instagram was bigger than Kickstarter's following. Yeah. So, you know, I do know the value of the, the audience that I bring, but I think what's even more beautiful about my audience is how diverse it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, building a more uh, diverse creator base and backer base at Kickstarter was very, very important to me. And to see so many new diverse creators that may know me or know my brand or were inspired by me to start Kickstarters or to support people on Kickstarters, it, that's just so beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, you know, yeah. because a lot of times when people think about personal brand, it's just so superficial and high level. But can you really drive impact through your brand? And I think the audience that I've amassed has been very authentic in an audience that does want to support and has certain ideals. And I think Kickstarter, mixing that with Kickstarter and, and bringing more diversity and bringing new new people to the platform has been really, really helpful for the brand. But also at the same time, I'm out there. I'm in the mix. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm you getting are. interviewed by you right now. So, I mean, I'm traveling all the time. I'm speaking at different places. I'm doing interviews. It's like having a second job. Like, it's already hard enough, yeah. you know, operating and being the CEO of such an influential company, an impactful company, and at the same time having to give so much of myself. I mean, it's literally flooding outside, and I'm here today, Yeah, you, I, we should you know. point that out. You <laughs> practically swam here. And, yes. Uh, you, I will, in fact, give you a free mug for yes, that. I and got to have it. Nonstop snacks from our pantry. But, you know, one thing that's interesting, Everett, you raise a good point about this um, being a marketer and being a CEO, because I talk to a lot of CEOs and they almost act like it's an either or, like either I'm focused on the job or I'm out there all the time. You know, to what extent, when you think about leadership these days, it has to be both, because weaving both of those together, I bet the way you go out there in the past year has been very different than you have in the past, because you've been a creator and entrepreneur yourself, you know, you founded companies. How is it different? when you've got Kickstarter as the calling card? I think first is that it's such a genuine brand that's so closely intertwined with the creator economy and supporting creators and entrepreneurs. I mean, we're a public benefit corporation. We don't even maximize for revenues. Yeah. Um, and so, so funny, even being w at Forbes, which is, you know, a lot of times when people think of Forbes, they think of money, right? But, yeah. you know, Kickstarter is um, kind of the, the opposite of that. You know, we've kept our creator fees small. We only take 5%. Like, a lot of people are surprised. So Kickstarter only makes $5,000 for every $100,000 raised. But we do that because we want to support our creators on the platform and uh -huh. we don't want to have to maximize for revenue. Um, with that being said, you know, I think that, you know, coming to this coming to this platform and seeing all of the value that we could really drive to creators and all of the things that we've done this year from new creator tools to new business lines to support creators. It's been really beautiful to watch the impact that we've been able to make and um, you know, I've been really fortunate to be at the helm during such an exciting time at the well, company. What have been some of the hardest choices you've had to make? I mean, let's even, um, you know, I suspect you're a pretty benevolent leader. I know there's been a union, <laughs> you know, we've had, you know, yeah. we've seen a lot of people unionize. You've had people unionize yourself. What's, when you're in that situation, you know, 
you're a good guy, they're good. When you see your employees unionize, what is that like, hey, I support you, let's do it? Or is it make it tough when you're trying to drive change quickly? Yeah, you know, I was just asked about this recently. And so the union was formed and the CBA was signed before I even got yeah, there. So, so it's just an F, you know. Yeah, Kickstarter. Welcome to your new job. Yeah, welcome to your new your job. And, you know, listen, people try to make the union seem like the big bad wolf. I remember before taking the job, people were like, oh, you don't want to go there. They have a union, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the thing. These are just people. My first job, I was in a union. Man, yeah. I got 20 massages a year. <laughs> you know, but Yeah, these are people. These are my friends. Uh, these are my colleagues. These are the people that, you know, I go to war with every day. You know, these are people that are humans. They are mothers, they're fathers, they're brothers, sisters, they're, um, you know, family men, family women, um, you know, um, these are just humans. They're human beings, and it's. I feel like sometimes people try to dehumanize. Well, what and also you are. care a lot about equity, and I'm sure yeah. you care about it inside and outside. You know, yeah. you've talked a lot about it in the past about equity for the creators. You know, yeah. and pay equity, and you know, I want to. Well, keep on the employee part too. But one of the when I think of Kickstarter, I think of it as a bit of a one-off in some mm. respects. Like you know, it. You go there, you raise money, you you great for marketing, yep. great for profile building. But how do you build community off a platform where it's kind of like, thanks, yeah. and then you go take the money and build your business or put out your book or whatever you've raised it for? Yeah, two ways. I think about this from the creator standpoint and the backer standpoint. Okay. From the creator standpoint, whenever you do a Kickstarter, you have amassed, like, all those people that supported you now follow you on the platform. So every time you want to create a new product, a new business, a new film, like a new music group? album, you have a group of people that will monetarily support you. I don't know if you ever heard of the theory of like having like a thousand true fans. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you have millions of followers. I believe like Kickstarter is almost like a social network for your true, true supporters, those yeah. people that are actually going to go out there and support you in that way. Um, and so I think that's something special about that, special about that, to have that group of people that you can tap into over and over again. And our most successful creators have realized that they don't just see Kickstarter as a one off. They see this as a platform like my audience is here. Also, potential new audiences are here mm -hmm. because we bring so many new people to these creators. Why wouldn't I continue to tap into that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're small or large. We have people from all ranges continue to do that. And on the backer side, if you're interested in a particular niche, if you're into comic books, we had our largest comic book uh, project ever, raised 2.5 million good yeah. omens. Yeah. You know, we've we we saw our largest um, uh, restaurant this year, so we've we've really picked up momentum. But we have people that are into food, that are into comics, into games, into music, into film, into you know design and technology, and so backers now instead of just going there and like hey, I really like this one thing. Okay, peace Kickstarter. They're now finding that Kickstarter is a place where if I'm really into something, I can continue to be at the precipice of all of the new innovations and creativity that's coming out into the world. So I want to ask, you've been a CEO of your own, of, you know, I go back to sort of the companies you started. Mm -hmm. uh, was it you founded ET Enterprises? Yes, You know, yes. and you were um, Pop Social, you were uh -huh. CEO of that. When you go into like a pre-existing organization as CEO, you know, 
it's a how do you define your mission i mean mm. especially because you've come up through marketing function been a founder what surprised you about the CEO role? Because some of it's prescribed for you. Yeah. Some of it you shape once you get there. Yeah. What surprised me about the CEO role? I think, um, number one, I don't think, you know, when you're not in a CEO seat, and I've been CEO of smaller companies, but until you're in that seat, you do not realize the amount of pressure, scrutiny uh, that's on you on a every day people manage up they all manage up to you yeah it's very lonely i didn't i didn't realize how lonely it would be and i I love my team i love the people i get to work with every day but at the end of the day you are the decision maker you make the hard choices and at the you know at the end of the day everyone isn't going to love your choices you have to be okay with that you know and when you're in other parts of the c-suites i remember being you know a cmo and i was like everybody's favorite exec you know yeah, it's right. e- easier because when you're ceo there's always someone else to blame and and, and and criticize and so i didn't think i i couldn't imagine how lonely it could be um and i also i don't think i realized um how much responsibility it truly was because every day i wake up i am representative of kickstarter yeah if i go outside and to go get a burrito like I'm the, the CEO of Kickstarter yeah. getting a burrito. And you know because of my personal brand as well, it's like the lines are blurred. And so it feels like I'm on so much more than I've ever been in my career. And honestly, it, it takes its toll. It's exhausting for sure. How, how do you compensate for that? Like, because a lot of leaders I speak to say it's lonely and you do need people to bounce ideas off. You know, yeah. You've probably got your peer group coming into this, but have you done anything to try and compensate for that? I know it's 12, 12 months in, so yeah. it's only so much, but yeah. is it just is what it is? or No, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's building an incredible team around you. One of the things I'm most proud of is is the team that I've that I have that was at Kickstarter and the team that we've built. You know, at the future so of seventy five percent women. Yeah, so we we've built a really incredible team of um, leaders at our company. Um, I think we're like seventy percent people of color in our leadership team. Like, you know, but these people are people that I lean on and can and support me every day. It's still lonely, you know. Um, but You're like, still the boss. I'm still the boss. But like when I think about my COO Sean Liao, like. Mm-hmm. That's my dog. Like, mm-hmm. I, like that's my best buddy. I, I say we should be like in a buddy cop movie at some mm-hmm. point. And you know, when I ha- when I'm having those tough days or those hard days, I know I can lean on him and talk to him. I know my new CFO, Cindy Wilson, who you guys covered mm-hmm. um, for her. You know, you don't see too many black CEO CFO combinations. I know she has my back 110. percent So that feels really good because as a CEO, sometimes you get dehumanized. Like people forget. Hey, like today, my basement was flooding. I had leaks all around my house. I I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. And and sometimes as a CEO, people dehumanize you and don't realize like, hey, you know, I walk and breathe and eat just like you. I make mistakes like you. I'm not perfect. And so it's great to have such a a great leadership team around me that kind of keeps me grounded and, you know, keeps me sane. You know, as you're talking, I think about culture is one of those things a lot of people talk about the importance of it it's squishy it's you know like it's hard to know how do you actually build a great culture mm-hmm. obviously it's who you hire is there anything else you think about in terms of the culture we haven't talked much about your background and you can certainly bring that in because you as you say you've come from a very sort of hard background um 
and you know it, it you've done a lot to be in this position and you want to make an impact what kind of culture do you want to build that's different from the ones that you imagine a lot of corporate america has ones that ones that aren't led by fear yeah like i that's so important to me when you're making decisions based on fear have you been in situations like oh, that absolutely what causes it the economy or just i think people people are just very comfortable with the status quo and for me i'm so impact driven it drives me crazy you know and i feel like to really make progress you can't be driven by fear you have to be able to take those chances you have to understand hey sometimes your users aren't gonna some of your users may not like this but it's better for the long-term vision of the company and so to me you can't base your decisions based on fear and i think a culture that is ambitious that is not making decisions based on fear those cultures innovate those cultures change literally change the world and so i want to make sure that we have a culture like that where so it's where not based on fear was it optimism what would you say what's the what are you, what is it based on it's based on impact mm -hmm. it's if you make decisions based on impact and doing the right thing for the company, your users, your creators, your backers, if you have that frame of mind and thinking and understanding, you're going to be uncomfortable at times. It's going to be scary, but you can't base your decisions based on that fear. You know, I often think about the fact that what what that what got you here won't get you there. Like all the qualities you have that get you into the CEO job aren't always the best qualities to have as a CEO. Like is there anything you've had to adjust in your style mm -hmm. that's made you a better leader because as you say you're the most popular guy you're the cmo of artsy then you come into a ceo role what doesn't work as well from I, a management point of view i think you you know because when you're a cmo you're overseeing the marketing organization you're not seeing the, the whole more and that's already hard enough right because right. there's so many different personalities i think when you are a CEO, you have to realize the breadth of the people that you're speaking to, right? And to understand that people learn differently, people perceive things differently, people are in different parts of their lives. And so, you know, one of the things that I remember I made a mistake of when I first came into the company, one of my first emails I wrote, you know, there's no place uh, to not work hard here, right? And, you know, I've been a part of cultures yeah. where it's like, got to work hard you got to do this you got to do that and i didn't mean it in and any the negative way and the people's little kids said uh excuse me no <laughs> but then there's people that said hey like actually when you say something like you have to work hard that actually demoralizes me right didn't you guys strike one of your work days from the week yeah was we that did based on that or is that a no different logic? no when i when i got to kickstarter they were already piloting the four-day work week and the first and day you send out an email saying there's no place for people to <laughs> <laughs> like and what who it, is this guy yeah who is this guy and this was also during the time when elon musk was doing his rampage through yeah, Twitter. Yeah, well, that's the gift and, that keeps on giving yeah, for comparisons. And, and right? so I think it was just bad, bad timing, but I didn't mean anything by it. But like my whole life, I've been taught by leaders, you gotta work hard and you realize, you have to realize that there's different messaging for different people and you have to really be careful how you curate your words 
to people to make sure that it, it's effective as effective as possible. But yes, we had the four day we have the four day work, work week. We have it now. Um, How's it, it working out? Oh, it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing because you know the impact that it has on people's lives in terms of giving them more balance and more focus. Right? Like a lot of times people aren't even utilizing their Fridays the way they're supposed to or not as focused during the week. When you know you have to get everything you have to get done in a four-day four, four day week, it's actually a little bit more intense. You have to be focused. You have to make hard choices. You're like, hey, this 45-minute meeting needs to be a 15-minute meeting. This hour meeting needs to be a 30-minute. So you it do makes have you to more work effective. hard, right? I mean, yeah. in essence, that message you put out is still the fundamental message of you need people to work hard. I always wonder, do you, is it a disservice you're somebody who has worked really hard to get where you want to be. You hire people who do that. Um, balance is important, but there you have to give a message. You have to yeah. set expectations. Yeah. Um, do you? I wanted to think about what's now on your radar. Mm -hmm. um, when you think ahead as to what I would say vision, <clears throat> but what excites you going forward in terms of the potential for Kickstarter first? And then for Everett Taylor, second. Wow. Let's start with Kickstarter. This is why this is why you need a raise because you're asking really? great questions. Um, Existential, perhaps, <laughs> but you know we have hours to kill here. So. Um, you know, for me, from Kickstarter, like this year, we didn't get to talk about it that, that much, but this year we did have a lot of success from like launching the first new business lines ever in company history, yep. um, major partnerships with PledgeManager.com, Jellup, and EasyShip, all these things to help the creator you know, grow, Create the operational complexities, shipping, um, digital marketing to help them reach more people. Like That's really incredible. And then uh -huh. just the progress that we've made in terms of our brand, um, in terms of creating tools. We, we've release more products in the past 365 days than we've ever had in company history. And wow. these product features are product features that our creators have been asking for, you know, for a very, very long time. And so it's been a really special year. Mm -hmm. We were time 100 most influential companies and all these things. And so it's like, to answer your question for Kickstarter next, when we got time 100 most influential, I said, okay, that's great to be one of the 100. What does it look like when we are the most influential company in the world and we are driving more impact than any company in the world? That we know that if you have an idea in the world, no matter where you are, what your background is, that you can come to Kickstarter and be successful. And so my vision for the company is helping creators. I would love for 100% of our creators to be successful because we have created a company where we have end-to-end -end creator support, mm -hmm. meaning that Kickstarter and crowdfunding is just one portion of the creator journey. Yeah, you almost have to be at a certain place to even succeed once you get, you know, so there's almost the getting them to that yes. stage, right? Yes, and so all the things that we've done this year, we've added, we've made this portion of it better, and we're starting to expand out of that. Both but, ways, like the, we'll get you ready yes. for this? Yes. And then what's next? And, and what's next? And so there's, you know, the ideation stage, the pre-launch stage, all of these things that have to happen. Is that a consultancy? I mean, what what is the Kickstarter role in that part of the process? Like, you know, some people, it's, some of it's native talent, right? Like, yeah. I'd love to be a ballerina. No, that's yeah. not the, t but if I come and say, I, I want to do this, Kickstarter, what do you not offer now that you think, well, 
I can see the potential of this person. What could you do to get me ready so that when I go to the platform, it's... It already exists. There's pre-launch <laughs> consultant, um, okay. consultancy services and all of that that already do this out there in the world. On the on the post-campaign side, right now, you, you pledge, I mean, you, you start a Kickstarter, you raise your money, and then Kickstarter's like, all right, yeah, good, so luck. Yeah, good luck. What about all of the fulfillment and all of the things that you want to do? What if you want to scale that product or that idea afterwards? What happens then? Kickstarter has to give that support throughout the entire creator journey. I genuinely feel like when you look at all of the creator economy companies, Kickstarter is the most influential and impactful. Just look at the numbers. Yeah. But how much more impactful can we be by helping people throughout that entire journey? And by being able to offer those resources, it opens up the spectrum of people that can utilize the platform and be successful. And on the other side, on the backer side of really creating, really developing you know, our backer network to being a place that's highly engaging, not that place that you just go to when your friend is launching a Kickstarter. Yeah, like, or, oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds yeah. good. Or I saw an ad for yeah. this whatever thing on Kickstarter. But no, you want to go to Kickstarter on a regular basis. How do we create a platform that's so engaging that you want to come back to it all the time. Those are the things that I'm very, very excited about. And next year is our 15th anniversary. You know, we have some really exciting things up our sleeve to mm -hmm. really celebrate the brand and really tell those stories. That's what I'm really excited about. We have so many incredible stories. I, I can't give away some of the things that we have in the mix, but the ability to tell our stories um, in such incredible ways. We've had some of the, the greatest technological minds, creatives, musicians, filmmakers, all of that start on Kickstarter or do things on Kickstarter. And we want to be able to expand that and continue to tell those stories over time and invest in creator education, invest in trust and safety and all of these different things that we can to make the experience even better. I want to be able to scale this so thing. Let me now think about the Everett Taylor brand. First <laughs> of all, has it changed? You know, like if you think about the Everett Taylor brand that came into Kickstarter, now you're sitting here today, same guy, same brand. Well, I never got a chance to interview with you, so something must have changed. Hey, well, it's <laughs> a low bar. I mean, we are welcome back anytime. We'll have our next weekly conversation with Everett Taylor. But. Um, I think that I can fully embrace myself as a leader. Um, you know, when you're not sitting in the CEO seat. It's, I hate to say this because I, 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 not every CEO is like this, but sometimes you feel like you have to water yourself down a little bit. You have to kind of like hold back a bit. You don't want to outshine the CEO or do too many things or take too many opportunities yeah, and things like that. You look for signals. So yeah. You look for sig a little bit of signaling from the top, right? For sure. And it feels great to be in a position to really just embrace that brand and and embrace myself and fully be authentic to myself I've always been I always so you feel like real. you're almost more yourself if that's possible now than you were coming into this yeah I think I'm more myself I've always been someone who's been a really authentic person yep. throughout my throughout my journey but I think when you you're numero uno you're number one you know and I feel like you can fully embrace all of yourself um, in that role. And so I think that's what's different. I think also with Kickstarter, you know, when I was at Artsy, man, it's like still maybe my favorite job. It's, Kickstarter is like close. It's, it's neck and neck. But Artsy was such an incredible job because 
I got to do something I was genuinely passionate about, the mm -hmm. art world, mm -hmm. you know, and impacting and democratizing the art world. But at Kickstarter, I'm someone who loves so many things. I love comedy. I love film. I mm -hmm. love theater. I love certain comic books. I love new gadgets. And so now I get to literally, like, sometimes I felt like I was a little bit too niche at Artsy. Mm -hmm. Now I get to really experience and grow my brand and experience the full spectrum of creativity and what life has to offer, and that's been really cool. How, how about your followers? If they come along with you, and because they, you, as you said, you came in with a huge follower base. Mm -hmm. They've been following you for the past 12 months in this yeah. role. Have they, do they look at you differently? Do you engage with them differently? I think, I think when you're CEO of such a big brand as Kickstarter, I think I think I like just kind of up leveled in the minds of a lot of people and the people that have followed me. And I think, you know, you have different types of followers now, Diane. So, you know, you have you have the followers that are like genuinely, genuinely happy for you. And of course, like the leveling up. But what a lot of people don't talk about is that a lot of people that follow you aren't always the happiest for you or rooting for you. They're just more nosy and just want to see what's going on. Or yeah, on. like you sell. <laughs> I mean, look, it's nobody's, I don't, the sellout is, is such a weird concept. I don't even know yeah. if it still exists. But uh, I think what's interesting is when you think about now the how much is your brand tied to Kickstarter and its success? Because you still have, as you mentioned, you've got a lot of eclectic interests, mm -hmm. which are not your day job. Yep. So how do you how do you think about that going forward? What's your vision for the Everett Taylor brand? Um, at the end of the day, with or without Kickstarter, without without Artsy, I'm gonna be me. I'm still Millicent's son. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still a friend. I'm still a brother. I'm still all these things. I'm still a guy that loves art, that loves a good laugh. Like I'm still gonna be me at the end of the day. And I think you have to be really comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I love Kickstarter. I'm passionate about Kickstarter. It's so intertwined with who I am as a person in my spirit, um, in my brand. This is this is. There may have never been a company that's been more aligned with who I am as a person. But at the end of the day, I'm still E. I'm still Everett. You know, I'm still the homie. You know, and so I still want to be an individual always. And it's really important for me to still keep that individuality to myself. You know, I. I Thing to end up, I, I, I've lived different parts of the world, and I always felt it took 12 months to get to know a place, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's the place I love to get this drink, there's you know, my park, I love to run, whatever. And is that similar, do you think, to the CEO role? Because now you've, it's, you've got, not just getting your arms around the culture, but feeling like you've shaped the culture where it kind of reflects more of you. I mean, how significant is the 12 month period? Let's say we're talking to people who are thinking about leadership roles, does it, how long does it take to get comfortable in your skin in these situations? I was kind of in my bag from the beginning. Like, I felt pretty comfortable. I, I was very fortunate with the CEO I had at Artsy, who was such a great mentor, um, Mike Stibe. And, uh -huh. um, you know, I think he really prepared me for this role in a lot of ways. And it just was so natural. And the people at Kickstarter are so kind and had so much grace for me. And so for me, it just, it wasn't that it hard natural, of a, yeah. it wasn't that hard of a transition to me. But I think the two things that I really think about is, is the importance of diversity and bringing more diversity as, as a part of the culture. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one thing 
being like, hey, we care about diversity and then actually doing it and hiring diverse people and creating safe spaces for diverse people, that's another thing. I think the second piece of it is that you know, at Kickstarter, we're a public benefit corporation where, uh, you know, we want to do good in the world, but changing the culture in a way to understand that, hey, us growing and making an impact, uh, us growing just means that we're making an impact. Growing and trying to be ambitious, it's not a bad thing. No, it's you not. Know, it's making not a money's bad thing. not a bad thing. Making money's not a if bad thing. If you make it the right way. If you're utilizing it in the right way, if you're reinvesting it back into the business. So I think that was a shift for Kickstarter, you know, to, to be like, hey, hey, let's drive more revenue, let's get more growth, and not to do it just for the sake of making money, but because we have so many things that we wanna accomplish and do for our creators and backers, and to be able to reinvest that back into our community, but also to reinvest it back into our team. I tell my team all the time, Look, I want to see you all be able to put your kids in private schools if you want to, to buy homes, to invest in art, or do whatever you want to do. Just because you're you're in a company that is doing good in the world doesn't mean that you should have to sacrifice and, right. and have to struggle. No yourself. vows of poverty necessarily. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I think that's important. Um, what else is on your radar? You'd put on ours, you know. What else is on a, on my radar? I think uh, right now is such an interesting time for. The world in the space. I mean, you've had thousands and thousands of people laid off from different companies. You have so many different, uh, you know, you have the actor strike, you have, and luckily the writer strike just ended, but you have all of these strikes Politics, happening. Yeah. Um, and it's a space now where I think people will start to embrace their independence as creators and entrepreneurs more and more. But we have to have companies like Kickstarter that genuinely want to help these people and want to have an equitable future for these for these these people there's so many companies that are taking advantage of creators and entrepreneurs with like in, like I said we only take 5% and you know they are not allowing people to thrive and, and, and be able to be successful and, and during a time where people really need that help and support yeah. I think it's one of the most important times in our history that companies have to really look at themselves and say hey we need to do the right thing we need to support and help people and I think more and more people are going to like take that leap of faith to say hey that nine to five isn't for me you know and i, I love don't think the... it's for most people actually <laughs> is it i mean i just you know I, I as you're talking if you don't mind i want to ask yeah. just one thing i think a lot about um you know what does it mean to be happy you know it's even like the pursuit of happiness being so entrenched in our constitution and such i mean it feels like something that is deliberate and intentional and you strike me as somebody who thinks a lot about the happiness um, or the habits of of mental health, both for leadership in your life. Would there be any habits you think about that are important to you that you do either on a daily basis that that you think um, keep you centered yeah. for all these tasks? Yeah, and honestly, I struggle with consistency. Um, you know, with my schedule and the craziness around my schedule. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, I think number one is not starting your day with work find whatever whatever what do you start yours with me is personally meditation like i love meditation um and i also love music i love singing i can't sing a lick but i love singing <laughs> in the morning <laughs> i'm gonna make you sing <laughs> um but i i you know that's something that's important also i have a lot of art that i live with in my home and sometimes i just sit 
with a painting, um, you know, that I hadn't looked at for a while, but something that's just not worked. I used to like pick up my phone. The first thing I wanted to look at was like, what was the data from yesterday? How did we yeah, do yeah, yeah. all the things? What email, what's going on? And I think really intentionally starting your day without work, you know, is it going to hug your, ch your, your children and playing with your children or like fixing yourself breakfast, you know, doing something that isn't work at the start of your day. And then I think the second piece is, is finding time for you throughout your week. And this is something I struggle with um, throughout my career. And then I have busy weeks like this week where I, where I still struggle with it. But like just going out and having fun, enjoying yourself, or just taking time for yourself. Like sometimes it's just like sitting in the bed, eating the meal, and watching Suits on Netflix, you know? Like yeah. it, sometimes it's that, but like taking that time out intentionally because I've learned, and again, we're at Forbes, but like money is just, it's important, you know, to, to, to pay your bills and survive, but it's not going to bring you the happiness that it's you just want. It's a tool, right? It's just a tool. And like, you know, I really realized in my life and it, and it took me a while to really truly realize that, that like peace of mind is the goal. You know, happiness, happiness is fleeting. It goes yeah, it's up flow, and down. It's, but it's, it, it sounds, I mean, it, it is interesting because you seem like a very intentional person, I think to have those habits do become important. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm quoting a car commercial. Was it life is short, <laughs> but it's wide? I'm not yeah. going to mention the brand, but it's true. I mean, yeah. So I think that's that's very powerful. Well, here's to 12 more months plus. Yeah. And um, thanks a lot for joining us, Everett. I appreciate it. Forbes is always great. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.